Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, my name is Garrison, one of the elders here at the Vine, and just so excited uh, to be here with you all. Uh, You know, in Hebrews, it says that we should never uh, forsake gathering is the habit of some. And so I'm just, I'm excited that we gather here today because uh, as John took uh, that pause for us and stuff, I don't know about you, but I just needed that breath. I need that breath in a moment, just be thankful to God uh, for the opportunity to gather with his people, uh, enjoy his grace today. And so we're going to do that now uh, through his word. Uh, we've been walking through the book of Titus uh, entitled Grace for Living, how it is that the grace of God is worked out in our lives days, day in and day out. And today we're going to look that changed by God's grace, uh, we change the way uh, that we treat others. Uh, but first, just a brief story for you. Uh, it was now 13 years ago that I actually first came to faith here at the Vine. And I didn't understand what it really meant to live a life transformed uh, by Jesus and God's grace until I was discipled by someone. And that someone uh, was an, a man named Jimmy. And, and Jimmy stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Uh, I would look at Jimmy, and I'd always tell him this, Jimmy, you walk funny. And it's not that he literally you know, walked around funny, but it was, it was the way that he loved his wife. And it was the way that he loved his children. It, it was just different than I had ever seen in my own life. And, I, and it drove me nuts. I, I had to go to Jimmy one day because I couldn't figure out what his deal was. And I said, Jimmy, Why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you love your wife that way? Why do you love your children that way? And I always remember, this, this is just classic Jimmy. He paused and responded. He said, it's Jesus, bro. <laughs> and obviously there's a lot more to that. So I, I remember Jimmy explaining to me uh, the grace of God through Colossians 1, uh, where it says this about us, uh, that we were once alienated and hostile Towards God, We were evildoers, and though we were enemies, yet Christ gave his life in order to present us before God, not as sinful, right, but as holy and blameless before him. He explained that our standing before God had absolutely nothing to do with anything that we had done, but everything that Christ had done for us. And when it is that we wrap our heads around that level of grace, we have no choice but to extend grace towards others just as it has been given to us. That is why Jimmy loved his family the way he did. The grace of God transformed his heart. And he sought to extend that same grace that he received to other people. See, as God's people, we're called to live what is called holy lives. That's a simple, it's a, it's a big word, right, for this. It means set apart. That we as God's people are to live set apart lives from the world around us. We too are to stick out like a sore thumb. We too are to walk funny. These are lives that are transformed by grace. And this is the call from today's passage in Titus 3, as Paul asked Titus to remind the church in Crete that they have been changed by the grace of God and therefore should be changing the way that they treat others. So if you are able, actually, would you stand with me as we read from Titus 3? Titus 
says the gracious word of God from Titus 3, verse 1 uh, through 7. Remind, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and a renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, in this, in this life, in this life, we are encouraged to trust in, put our hope in, bank on a lot of things. The word of God says this, every single one of those things, they're going to forsake us. They're going to fail. They're going to fade away. But the word of God says this, this, this is everlasting. This will not forsake. This will not fade. This word is eternal and it will stand now and forevermore. If you want something to put your hope in, hang your hat on, bank in, do it here. And God and his word that is true and is coming true every day for us. Let's pray. Father, you are good, like I said, to gather us, to gather your people under your word as we face throughout our weeks all the things thrown at us that are false, not true, that we come here uh, as your people to hear from you and what is true. Uh, so Lord, remind our hearts. Uh, remind our hearts today what is true. Um, and Father, I just I so resonate with what we sang today that, that before our hearts give up, Spirit fill us. Before our hearts give up, Spirit fill us today as you remind us of your word and you remind us of your grace. Father, that we might continue with endurance in following Jesus uh, in this life and into the life eternal with you. Uh, so, Father, change us, transform us by your grace and your word this day. Amen. Amen. I'll be seated. Thank you. So, Paul starts out that very first word, remind. Remind is such a key word here because remind is a discipling word. So, you remember that the church in Crete, it's made up entirely of new believers. First time of receiving this good news of Jesus as, as Paul and Titus have traveled to the island of Crete. And so Paul has been stressing, as we've seen, the, the urgency for sound and healthy doctrine. The urgency for the older in the faith to commit themselves to pouring into those who are younger in the faith. See, the church needed a constant reminder of the grace that they had received, and we need that same reminder today. So as we walk through this passage, we're going to do it like this, of three things to remember. One is remember what we are called to. Second, remember what we were called out of. And third, simply remember how it happened, how you got called out and how you got called to. So first, from verse one and two, remember what we are called to. Paul starts, remind, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. To be a Cretan 
was to be none of these things that Paul just listed. There were a people who had a reputation as they were off on their own island, away from the central governing authorities, that they themselves were naturally rebellious towards authorities. They were just known as a harsh people and literally always ready to fight just about anything. To be a Cretan and call somebody that as an insult meant you were calling them a liar, that you were actually capable of doing nothing but lying. And why is that? Because the god Zeus that the Cretan people worshipped, they honored him for his lying in shady ways. Because through his lying and through his shadiness, he got exactly what he wanted. And the Cretan people thought that was honorable. It was self-serving, self-seeking, and they loved it. And so they modeled their own behavior after the God that they worshiped. Paul even alludes to this back in uh, chapter one in two different places when he qualifies that God is the God who never lies. And then in verse 12, this is a Cretan saying about Cretans. This is how bad their reputation is that they just owned it. One Cretan saying this about others. Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. They weren't ashamed of it. This was a man saying it with pride that they were known for these things. So these new Cretan believers, they were now called to live unnatural lives by Cretan standards. And the culture around them was surely gonna notice. They were gonna start sticking out like a sore thumb because where the world around them was combative, we see here it says they were to be submissive just as they had learned to submit themselves to God. The world around them was disobedient, but they were to be obedient as they are obedient to Jesus' teaching. The world around them was lazy and did only what served them, but now they're being told, you're to be ready for every good work, just as Christ denied himself to save sinners. That didn't benefit him. It was for others. It's counter to what they've always known. The world around was slanderous, but they were to speak evil of no one because they now knew that God was the only judge. The world around was always picking a fight, but they were to avoid quarreling and to be peacemakers as Jesus has called us to from Matthew 5. The world around was harsh, but they were to be gentle. The world around was self-serving and rude, but they were to show courtesy to all people. They were to transform the way that they interacted in relationships in their life. They were not to do the Cretan way. The Cretan way was very different. And to live these holy and set-apart lives now as God's people, like I said, it was unnatural. Mentally do this with me real quick. Have you ever tried to brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand? Like, you you just like, you feel like you, like I'm I'm right-handed, so I'm like, yeah, that feels normal. Pick up my left hand, I'm like, what what do I actually do with that hand, you know? Not only from like looking plain silly, trying to brush your teeth with the offhand, it's unnatural. It would take training. It would take practice for it to become more of a natural cadence for you. And this is exactly why Paul is urging Titus to remind the Cretans of these things. They, were, they needed practice. They needed training. They needed to be discipled. They needed others to imitate. Why? Because none of this that they were being called to was natural for them. They had to unlearn their sinful ways and they had to relearn what it was to actually be in relationship and treat people according to God's design. They needed constant reminding. It wasn't only unnatural, 
but it was against the current of the culture. So if they were gonna live these holy and set apart lives, they had to go against everything that they were seeing around them. We were recently at the beach and my two-year-old son took a little bit of time to warm up to the ocean. Okay, and once we got in there, it was awesome. He loved it. And we were sitting there swimming. He had his floaty on. Uh, so the one that was previously afraid of getting in the ocean, now feeling a little bit more confident about himself, kept pushing me off and saying, I got it, I got it, I got it, daddy. And I assured him because of how strong the current was that day, I was like, you don't got it. I got it, daddy. And this went back and forth, you know, for about 10 minutes. Uh, as we're sitting here, I'm just trying to enjoy swimming. He's like, I got it, daddy. I'm like, you don't got it. And eventually I'm like, okay, hey, hey, you know what? You got it. I let go. And it takes only three seconds for him to be pulled about 10 to 15 feet away. And he's shouting, I don't got it. I don't got it. I don't got it. I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> believers in Crete and believers today, we don't only have to learn a new nature but we also have to go against the strong current of the culture around us. I got it, I got it, is not what we should insist. But rather what we should be saying is I don't got it and I need help. See, we need God to change our hearts and to renew our minds. We need the Holy Spirit to constantly remind us of what is true and what is false. We need the example of Jesus to imitate. We need the body of Christ, you guys, the church, to lean on for wisdom, correction, accountability, equipping, discipling, as we've been talking about. Because I don't got it. You don't got it. We, we don't got it. We need constant reminding of what it is that in Jesus we have been called to as a people. We have each other in the example of each other. No, no, the, the current of the culture is not encouraging you to follow Christ. If we don't have each other, who else do we have in this life? We need reminding of what it is that we have been called to. So my question for you is, how are you being reminded today? What does it look like for you to actively seek being reminded? This is a great start. Do not forsake gathering. That we would come and sing praise and thanksgiving to God, that we would be under his word, reminding ourselves of what is true, reminding ourselves of our dependence on him. But we need to be in the word with others as well. Throughout the week, seeking him and what is true through his word and how to commune with him. And lastly, are you being discipled? Or are you following someone? Do you have someone you are imitating? I don't, I don't necessarily do New Year's resolutions, but every year, because I know this, that in Jesus, and once I've come to Christ, what God is doing, he says, unto I see him face to face, he's making me look more and more like Jesus. And so I reflect every first of the year and I, and I say, where am I lacking? I'm supposed to be coming more like Jesus, but what do I lack that Jesus has? So it's been in things in years past, it's been things like compassion. I just like straight up felt like I didn't have the ability to cry over anything. Ask my wife now, I cry like every day. It's fantastic. Um, gentleness, patience, these things that I have lacked, but I see in Jesus. So I sought them obviously, yes, through prayer. I sought them through his word. 
But more importantly, what I did when I lacked gentleness in my character, I said, who do I see around me that I see the gentleness of Jesus? What men would I say are are gentle at their core, not because of them, but because the spirit of Jesus has made them that way? And so I surrounded myself with those men. And I absorbed, and I just watched them like a hawk. I wanted to watch them with their wives. I wanted to watch them with their children. I wanted to ask them about how they handled that in their work life, their marital life, their family life, their personal life. I needed to soak it in because I needed the reminding of how it was to be like Jesus in that way. So who are you imitating? Who have you put in and around your life to be that constant reminder that you have been called to live holy and set apart lives to where those that don't know Jesus would look at you and say, you look funny. Why? That's the conclusion of Deuteronomy 4. When God tells the Israelites, here's why I've given you the law. Not that the law saves you, not that you need to be gentle, compassionate, these things to go to heaven, be in relationship with God. No, 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 I've given you these things so that this would happen. Every other nation around you would see your lives and they would scratch their heads. This is obviously my paraphrase. They would scratch their head and they would say, that is a wise and discerning people. That's a funny looking people. Who is their God? Anyone in your life recently just asked you, who's your God? by the way that you live? We're called to live in that way, against the current and against our nature, but we need reminding. It helps, though, when we're also reminded of what we've been called out of. From verse three, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another, who is raising their hands? For that's me, you know? <laughs> no one feels good after reading that. Uh, but Paul begins these first two statements first with the positive, remind them to be. And then now here we see, for we ourselves were once. We have something new to be, but now we also have the key phrase here, something we once were. It's past tense. That means it's done, it's gone. It's something we're no longer to associate and identify ourselves with. And if you thought you were off the hook because we're just talking about the Cretans and their terrible reputation, Paul put the we in here just so that he says, hey, I've transitioned now from what the Cretans have been called to, we've been called to, but now I'm saying, hey, you, you're included in this. You were these things. We, together, We're all once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is the condition of any believer before knowing and following Jesus. Whether you're Cretan, you're Nigerian, you're American, you're Korean, all of us, we all have fallen short of the glory of God and have sinned. We find ourselves in this list, whether we once were or maybe you're there today. But we have been called out of these ways. So I don't know about you guys, but I I grew up here in coming. And when you grow up somewhere, right, you, you learn your paths, your routes that you take around town, right? 
And it's just kind of like, I know I need to go over there, so I know the date, I know the time of day, the traffic, I, I know my routes. You don't even think about it, you kind of go on autopilot. Uh, so when I actually moved back here, uh, I moved back, and me and my wife Allison, we moved in the house off of Highway 9, which was still the part of coming that I grew up in. So my routes didn't really change. Then we moved over uh, to Central Forsyth area. And so I was, I was, you know, I'd gone over there for little league games and uh, high school games and stuff like that, but never day to day learned my way around there. So I was like learning some new routes. Um, and I worked for a software company off of McFarland Road. And so I took Shiloh to Majors down to Highway 9, where my previous house was, okay? But I also took Highway 9 all the way to get back to Central Forsyth to beat 400 traffic, not mess with that at all. Uh, but there were days when I was driving to my new house and I'd be an autopilot, and I would turn left in my old neighborhood instead of continuing straight towards my new home. What I had to do is start actively reminding my autopilot self, doing what was natural to me, you don't live there anymore. You live here. You don't live there. You live here. That is the confession of believers in Christ that we don't live there anymore. We live here now. We have been called out of sin. We have been called out of darkness. We have been called out of death. We've been called out of selfishness. We've been called out of jealousy, out of lust, out of lying, out of self-preservation. And we have been called into righteousness. We've been called into light. We've been called into life. We've been called into selflessness. We have been called out of these things. We don't live there anymore. Don't turn there, turn here. I live over here. Here's how 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Here is your relationship to what you once were. It has passed away. It is dead. It is gone. It is buried with Christ. The life you now live, you live in Christ. You are a new creation. You have a new home, a new address. That's not you anymore. Colossians 3 uses all these phrases. I encourage you to go check out this passage. One of my favorites says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Going on to verse five, he says, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Verse seven, in these you too once walked, past tense, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Put on then as God's chosen ones. And he talks about all the things that we're called to Remember what you once were. Remember your relationship to it now. Put it away. Put it off. What has been purchased for you, you have something new to put on. My daughter just asked uh, last night to start reading again Little Pilgrim's Progress that we've been once through before. And um, we're just in the first couple chapters. Such a great book for kids. And it was uh, Little Pilgrim's talking about his raggedy clothes He's like, oh man, these aren't fit to go see the king. And along his journey, um, he, gets, he gets new clothes. It's, it's wonderful. And, and he gets to disassociate himself with what's called the city of destruction. And he says, no, 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 
I'm, I'm one of the king's pilgrims. You know, and along his journey, uh, the wicked prince's um, uh, minions basically are trying to tell him, no, you need to go back. You need to go back. He says, no, I have new clothes. I'm one of the kings now, and I'm going to continue on. Such, it's such a great story. I encourage you to read with your kids, but you don't associate with it anymore. Remember what you once were. And right now you might be thinking, you know, what I once was was pretty good. But I'm going to say, I, I think you're missing the point here. If you're saying, hey, yeah, I was pretty good. You know, you, you may have had a great upbringing. You might have always had the example of Christ in your home. But guess what? That is the grace of God. That is the grace of God at work. To, the grace of God to save your parents or possibly to save your grandparents and have constantly around you the community of faith, godly men and godly women to imitate in your life. You wanna see your life apart from the word of God and apart from Jesus and what sin you are actually capable of? I don't think so. You are only here but for the grace of God. The same manner anyone else who didn't grow up in the church. I mean, working in youth ministry, I, I heard that all the time uh, of students saying, Garrison, man, I, I want your testimony. It's raw. Like you, you've experienced things. I've only ever been in the church. I look back at them. I say, no, I want your testimony. I don't want the 16 years without knowing Jesus. I don't want the 16 years without godly men and godly women being an example in my life not leading me down the paths that I chose in my sin. I want your testimony because that's the grace of God at work. You need to see that just as it was in my life. All things made even by the grace of God. And now, now that we've been called out of that, and now that we've tasted and we've seen that the Lord is good, that we've walked into the light, that we've thrown off the weight of our sin and our shame and our guilt, I have to ask you, does not your sin now create just this bitter taste in your mouth? And I've been so thankful for the preparation of this sermon. I told my wife, Allison, the other day, this passage has just come at the right time. Because I don't know about you, but as, again, as we were singing, something resonated with me. Man, my sins, they are many. But his mercy is more. Thank God for that. But I, as I've been studying for this, I've been, I've been remembering those sweet moments of coming to Jesus for the first time, for being called out of the darkness that I was living in and how weightless I just simply felt, being free by the grace of God from the things that kept me enslaved for so long that, man, through the power of Jesus, I, that wasn't me anymore, that I had a new life and all. Oh, I was just remembering the joy of that but then it was making me feel just this, ugh, about my many sins over the last week. That, that I, I hated that. I, I hated what I once was. Why do I keep putting that on? Why am I not putting that away? Why am I not putting on what Christ has bought for me? Your sin should create a bitterness, taste in you once you've tasted the sweetness of knowing Jesus, the sweetness of being called out of the darkness and called into the light. 
We should feel that bitterness because it's not who we are anymore in Jesus. We don't live there anymore. We live over here, and we have been called out by his grace. The change, though, when, how we treat each other, is really going to come when we understand how this happened. It's from verses 4 to 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You may remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Mark gave us a, a brief study tip, a word to look for, a phrase, so that. So when you're, when you're studying, you see so that, you need to pause. You need to read. What was the truth? What was the statement just made? Because what's following the so that is how I put that into practice. Jesus did this so that. Here's how I live that out. I have another similar tip for us today, um, and it's the word but. Whenever you see the word but, I need you to pause, and I need you to say, that is a big but. You're welcome to laugh. It's okay. Why do I want you to say that? Because you're never going to forget this tip now. That's a big but. When Paul especially uses this transition word, what does it mean? It means that God has intervened. We were hopeless and God stepped in. We were dead in our sin and our trespasses, as it says in Ephesians 2, but God, being rich in mercy, saved us through faith by his grace. But God, we were dead in our sin, but he does not leave us there. He did something about it. He sent Jesus. We once were these things, says Paul, but, but, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. He stepped in to the darkness to save us. Not because of righteous works done by us, but because of his mercy and grace to forgive us our sin, to make us new, to bring us into eternal lives as sons and daughters of the living king. He said, that muck you've been living in, I'm calling you out of it. I'm calling you to something so much better. Here's the grace of God. It's not that you loved him and were seeking him, but he loved you and sought you first. One of my favorite passages in Isaiah, it says this, that God surveys all the earth and he says, there's no one righteous. No, not one. There's not a single person who seeks me. So what does God do? He dusts off and walks away? No, no, no. He says, no one's seeking me. You know what I'm gonna do? My own right arm he says, I'm going to reach down, pick you up, and save you. Not that you sought him, not that you loved him. This is the grace of God that he sought you in the darkness and the sin that you were enslaved to and calls you out of it and calls you to live a life of joy and freedom, one that has hope of eternal life. We are called out and we are called to by his grace. What a gift it is that we've received. 
And what grace has been shown to us that though we were enemies of God because of our sin, he brought us near by the shedding of the blood of Jesus for our sin. And now because of Jesus, we are seen as holy and blameless in the sight of God. Hear me, in a world of insecurity, your position, our position is secure. Your position is secure. Brad Armstrong uh, shared this great point in our Friday morning men's Bible study as we were talking about a very similar passage in 1 Peter. Uh, He was talking about when Jesus said that if you try to gain your life, you're going to lose it. But paradoxically, if you lose your life, you'll gain it. And Brad was talking about how our nature and his nature is to constantly be trying to gain our life, that we do all this activity to, to make sure that I get mine. No one else is looking out for me. I need to make sure I get mine. We're trying to gain our lives always. But because of the grace of God, we are no longer slaves to that game. We're no longer playing this game that everyone else is playing. We don't have to chase after the same things as those around us. Because the Bible says this, our reward, it is sure. Our inheritance, it is great. There's nothing more in this world to offer than we have already received in Jesus. Your position is secure. So hear me when I say this, stop jockeying for position. Stop seeing other people as your enemy and in your own way. You're the only one getting in your way now because you're not realizing the inheritance that you have in Jesus. You're not realizing the reward that you have in Jesus. You're not realizing the position that Jesus has put you in at no cost to you and that no one can take it, nothing and no one. It's not going anywhere. Your position is secure. It has already been decided. You've been set free in your places of work, in your schools, in your marriages, in your families, in your friendships, in your relationships, you have been set free. You've been shown grace and you've been set free to extend that same grace because there's nothing that person can give you that you haven't received in Jesus. So next time you're in that that fight with your spouse trying to figure out who's right and so badly wanting to be right, you take the first step and realize what you've been called to and called out of. You don't need to be right. What you've been called to is humility and a submission to Jesus and to seeing to it that your spouse is made more and more like Jesus. And so you're the first person to take that step and humbly say, I mean, how, how am I, you know, I don't want to be right here, but I, I want to serve them in this. That's grace at work in your marriage. So things like malice, strife, envy, slander, quarreling, anger, lying, using and manipulating people, these are all unnecessary and they're foolish behaviors now for those who are in Jesus because you're trying to gain in this life what you can only receive by God's grace. Wrap your head around how this happened. Remember how you got called out of what you once were in. Remember how you got called to this life of joy and hope eternal. Remember by his grace. It's then 
by that grace, he's going to start working in you. Teaching you how to extend that same grace that you've received to other people in every, in every area of your life. I do want to leave us uh, with this scene from The Chosen because it's forever imprinted on my mind and I hope it imprints um, on y'all today. So let's take a listen. It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense. I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you, you are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. He performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. Now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. But God intervened to call you out and call you too. I, lo I love seeing her emotion there where she's like, I can't go back to that. He calls her by an old name and she's like, I don't go by that anymore. 
I don't associate with Lilith. Son and daughters of God, he has called you by name. You are his. You are redeemed. You have been called out. You've been called to, by his grace, to no longer live there, but to live here with him. You were one way, and now you are completely different, and the thing that happened to you in between was him. If you're waiting on that today, you don't have to wait any longer. He's extended his grace to you that you would call upon his name, that you would call, be called out of that darkness and into his light, into his joy. So if you're sitting there, I don't know how to get out. Let me tell you again, you don't got it. We don't got it. You need help. We all need help. Reach out to him who calls you by name, seeks to redeem you by his grace. And let that grace transform your marriages. Let that grace transform the way you parent, the way you are at work, the way you are in friendships, the way you are with your neighbors, that others might come to see the grace that has been extended to them. Called out and called to by his grace to change us and change the way that we treat others around us, that they might come to know the precious love of God in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, what grace, what grace you have shown upon such an undeserving people. There is nothing about us that was worthy. And yet, and yet, Christ, Christ did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather he humbled himself point of putting on human flesh and humble himself to the point of death that we, that we might be raised to life and seated with God on high in a place of honor and worth. Nothing that we earn, but everything by your grace. Lord, would we remember what we've been called out of? Would we remember what we've been called to? Would we remember the grace that you have shown us that we can show that same grace? to others. Change us, Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.